What's up, bros? Yo, 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 yo. And welcome to Bro Meets World. When it's Bro Meets World. Your bro, Boy Meets World fan cast. Uh, I'm Siege. And I'm TC. And we are on season one, episode eight, Teacher's Bet. Yo, thank God we got to another good episode because really, after Topanga, it's it, you have to admit there's been a, a a drop in quality of the episode. So I will Topanga. say you are right. There is a gap, but I will also agree that we are back to almost classic Boy Meets World. This is this is as good of an episode as Topanga. I, this I mean, is, maybe not as important, but as good of an episode. Well, I think it's as a as a iconic because i was like oh this episode yeah it's one it's one of the episodes you remember yeah it really is it stays with you remember this episode and it does like looking back at it it does so well i mean like it it covers a lot so can i tell you my relationship to this episode um i learned the phrase and i don't mean to be rude to anyone i learned the phrase wop from this show, <laughs> from this episode, because Corey uses it later on in the episode. Exactly. Um, and exactly. that's the first time I ever heard that, and I didn't know what it meant. Yeah, and exactly. So, so that was the, one of those things that I said as a kid, not knowing what it actually meant, and I would just, like, call it people like buttheads. Dude, but, you like, call, I call people them, this? I would call people WAP, like, I would call them, like, like dummies. Like, I would just Dude, be like, yo, clear, yo, like, man, no, man, you being a dumb WAP, man. Give me in that basketball the episode, back. it's seen as a negative connotation. But I didn't understand, like, because I didn't know what the word was. If it was... <sighs> If it was another derogatory term, <laughs> then maybe I would have been able to understand it a little bit better. But because it, I, I had no idea what that word was, it, I, I thought it sounded, I thought it was like bop or like bebop. Or, Let's be I didn't know. very clear. This episode, we are going to get into some racial realness because Thank God. this episode actually brings up and there's a lot just with like casting choices and dialogue that I was like, they were so so temp- like careful with how they executed this and i sure, can't yeah. say whether or not i think they did a good job or a bad job because i do see alternatives if they would have made different choices but at the exact same time it's a good episode i'll give them that i think that for the time it came out you have to remember, this is 1993. You know what also was 1993 or ni- around this era? The L.A. riots. Yeah, no, so- I actually, I made it very clear, and it's in my notes, that the riots happened in 92. 92, Rodney okay. King yeah. had happened in 91. We are... In the midst of it. Yeah, we're like... This, I and I, I truly believe that like this oh, was inspired. Is this during OJ? Is this during or no, OJ? No, OJ is later. OJ is later. <laughs> But no, but I do, I do feel that uh, I've been watching a lot of '90s documentaries, and they all talk about how the early '90s were just rife with racial tension. Like, sure, we were literally a powder keg ready to. Blow. I I remember seeing that portrayed in like black television shows and black movies, just thinking that was what was normal. See, and what's crazy is, and I'm not proud of this. I grew up in a very sheltered environment. 
I lived the most peachy keen childhood up until <laughs> like like um, what happened. Bill Clinton was maybe the first time that I understood that there was a world outside of my own. But like, yeah, the L.A. riots and all of that stuff did not reach me. It just, really? OK, yeah. I grew up watching like a lot of like Death Comedy Jam and Martin and like, oh, well, I watched New York the, Undercover. Like, I watched all, that all of those things, kind of, but they just flew right over my head. These really? Were like, OK. I didn't. And that's what I mean. As a kid, I probably didn't understand like the specifics of it, but they painted a world that made me think, oh, OK, these are established norms. So even as a child, I understood that there was racial tension, even if I didn't understand what racial tension was. I I remember I grew up in a very let's say a very specific type of neighborhood <laughs> that is not uh, one that people would have signed to me based on my skin color. Sure, <laughs> very sure, sure. Roundabout way of putting that. And this is a very interesting conversation about middle class blacks. That we <laughs> yeah, exactly. Right <laughs> so I grew up in in that environment and i'll say that there are a few times looking back on it that i did deal with racial tension and prejudice and all these things like that but i was so young and so sheltered from it and it was so not my norm that it did not it did not dawn on me until years later like i knew i was different and we talked about this with curly hair like i remember being envious because my hair couldn't do like the little flowy thing, but like that's where I was. I remember having to ask my second grade teacher for a brown crayon <laughs> to color with because oh I was God. the only brown kid in my class, and they had nothing but at the time flesh colored crayons. They didn't have a single brown crayon. It was called flesh. Yeah, colored. I remember that. But Crayola had. 241 colors you're telling me they didn't have a single brown crayon for you i had to i remember having to specifically i was like i was raising my hand i was like hey do you have like a brown one or something like i it was it was a weird yeah you know what and i oh god that see we this episode is going to be very hard for me because as (laughs) as privileged as i was and as removed as i was from the culture i am totally different now and the the amount of times i say white people in my life now is just like increased a million fold. (laughs) The the bra of bra meets world really coming out in this podcast. Yeah. Yeah. Pretty much. That's, this is what this episode was made for. Like, sorry, this podcast was made for an episode like this, which is looking at it through a 2017 lens, which means we should tell them about it. All right, the Tell Me About It is where I read the Hulu description of the episode. And this Hulu description says, Corey learns that teaching isn't as easy as one, two, three. Uh, it's oversimplified, but I think it's accurate. Yeah, it's it's uh, it kind of lets us know that Corey, as always, is uh, our main character and that he's going to learn something about just teaching his peers. I feel like the lessons learned go far beyond what that sentence describes. Yeah, no, I mean, we 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 get into this, which means that we should get into this episode because Yo. it like this episode we are dealing with some things. Okay. So okay. In our opening scene, Sean has brought Corey an article with Barry Bonds, uh the forty-three million dollar man. Um, which uh, so a little note about this. Last episode we talked about Cal Ripken. 
And Kyle Ripken had the highest contract uh, as of, I think, 92 or whatever. But by this episode, Barry Bonds is $43 million man. He is seen as the highest paid baseball star. Sure. Ever. So, like, and, go ahead. And I just want to say, like, we can all agree that this is a ridiculous amount of money to play a sport. Well, yeah, they put that. It's $7.16 million a year, as Minkus will say. A year to play. All right, and um, but this this does allude to the fact that we have Corey, Sean, and Minkus are all together, which I love. Right off the bat, I noticed that the three of them were together. That Minkus was in place of Third Seed Kid, which works so much better because there's no point in having someone who just agrees with everything that Sean and Corey say. You need that counter argument that Minkus represents to add conflict and and story. Exactly. Um, there's no room for another person in this because in that opening scene, we get everything we need. We have um. Um, the subject matter brought up. We have Minkus challenging their ideas on what he does. Great. Yeah, pretty much. So, and all the funny clips or anything that could be said, they just need to be said by Sean and Corey. There's no, there's no real need for another person. And it almost seems as though Minkus and Sean are acting as if like the angel and the devil on Corey's shoulder in a way. Like you have this one voice that's saying like, oh, like, you know, let's just have a good time in class. And you have another one that's like, hey, you know, we should respect Mr. Feeney more. And so you're kind of having like these two counter arguments going at once that Corey's kind of torn between. Which is, uh, yeah, I agree. Um, But off of that 7.16 million a year, um, Minkus kind of points out that Feeney only probably makes 40k a year, um, which I didn't do that for inflation, but still, that is not a lot of money. Um, well, okay, it's 1993. Mm-hmm. He's a public school teacher making forty thousand dollars. Is that bad? I feel like a teacher making there's teachers making forty thousand now, so I feel like in '93. But like, also, I'm assuming, and we're assuming that. Feeney had tenure or not tenure, but like Feeney's been there for some time. He's he's, yeah, he's old school. Yeah, he's he's been there for some time. And yeah, you would just expect that he has a little bit more. So I just did the calculations. And right now, roughly, which is it's not bad, but still for someone like Feeney, 40,000 and 93 is 70,000. Well, it's uh, 69,000 a year. I mean, it's not great. It's not <laughs> awful. Yeah, exactly. As someone who, yeah, I don't make that. I agree with you. You're like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, terrible. But still, he's been doing this for years. Feeney is like, he's sure. been a teacher. So just by the grading system, I agree. He's still underpaid. Yeah. And then, like, but according to the students, according to uh, Corey and Sean, he's uh, overpaid, and they don't think. Well, I mean, to an eleven-year-old, I mean, let's uh, forty thousand dollars is an insane amount of money. Exactly, which they kind of like show a little bit later on. I mean, we've already discussed in the uh, fence episode, the fence painting episode, that Corey doesn't know how much, how far money can go. Sure, sure. Um, one of the things I felt as soon as we kind of landed on the scene and around this time in my notes is where I wrote it down, that 
as soon as I found out this episode was going to be based on education, I was immediately excited. There's something about Boy Meets World when it focuses on the relationship between students and teachers that I feel like that's really where magic happens. And we've talked about it a little bit before about how um, this is maybe the only representation of that kind of relationship on television. Um, but like that, that's what makes the show so memorable because everyone has a student teacher relationship that they can refer back to when watching something like this. Yeah, I, I agree. Um, and the way that this episode plays out is done very well. It's done in, I can't even think of anything other than classic boy meets world fashion because it's a classic Feeny lesson, you know? I actually think this is the first time we see Feeny teaching this way. Yeah, like uh, through through uh, exa- through not teaching. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, so anyway, before we get to that, Feeny, sorry, Corey thinks that Feeny's job is completely easy because everything's routine. Nothing changes about uh, teaching the sixth grade. But that's where I think Corey, again, he underestimates Feeney because he sees Feeney doing the same thing every day, thinking, oh, you know, there's nothing special about this. He doesn't realize that Feeney has been doing this for years. He's a master at what he does. He has teaching down to a science. So it's not that he is a shitty teacher because, you know, English never changes and math is the same every year. He's a great teacher because he's figured out a way to teach effectively at those subjects. And that's why he does it over and over again. Well, not only that, but I mean, of course, Corey's not going to understand the complications of Feeney's job because he's a child. And that's what this is all about. But at the same time, there's an argument that can be made that for Feeney to be as good of a teacher as he is doing the same thing every year, having the somewhat same lesson plans every year and still being involved and engaged is what makes him an expert to do the same thing in and out and still have a passion for it. That is what makes you a great teacher. Yeah. If you, if you walk around the school and you see someone who's been (laughs) teaching for like 40 years, I, they, that enthusiasm is hard to find. Yeah, it is because these kids are bad. (laughs) Corey says that Feeney never changes and he's predictable. He has, uh, Corey, sorry, Corey has Feeney's routine down, to like almost as you were saying like a science he knows exactly what he's going to do but then Feeney comes in he does exactly what Corey predicts and Feeney shows that he knows Corey almost as well and again that's that perfect like opposite but same Batman and Robin type of I mean Batman and Joker type of relationship that opposite sides of the same coin that they both underestimate the other person the same way. I don't know. It's it's no. It's I really like the dynamic that they're setting up. I really like that. And then we have our theme song. Um, and oh god, fast forward. I I I, <laughs> I haven't been. I've been listening to it, and it gets worse every. It does not get time. worse, but I do think we should make up like some kind of drinking game to go along with it. Oh, I ha- I'm gonna have to drink to keep watching it. <laughs> oh man, this is gonna haunt me in my damn dreams, guys. <laughs> All right, so um, our first scene after the theme song. Um, before we get too much into it, because we almost immediately hit the ground running with some great things, but a quick observation. To Yo, my girl's back. back. To my girl's back. back. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so I mean, that, and, like, that- I, it just felt like there was a there was a. Uh, sense of heart to the show with just her presence being there it felt like um 
that warmth that she had um, and that and her episode was kind of brought into this. I don't know. There was just a good aura to the classroom. And I like the fact that we know Sean, we know Minkus, we know Corey, and now we know Topanga as well. We're getting to kind of know the class as a whole. So when they do that shot, that's only of like 12 kids, you know, a majority of uh, the faces are a lot of the faces. You feel a little bit more involved. Yeah. And also I feel that um, this, I think, we can use Topanga as a barometer of whether or not we're going to be like classic. Boys in a good episode. Yeah, exactly. Like uh, Topanga's in Yo, class. I think that oh. holds up throughout the season. Let's, yeah. <laughs> let's keep track of that. Yeah. <laughs> Topanga's in the episode. Oh, great. We, we're, we're in for some good classic boy meets world because I don't yeah. think it's just Topanga. I think Topanga is a symbol of they found their cast. They found their chemistry. We're good to go. And it's funny because I feel that there's such an improvement between seasons one and two, and that's when Daniel Fishel becomes a regular. Yeah. So, but again, I think maybe it's that because, theory holds up. Yeah, I think it's just they understood. We we've talked about this before, and we talked about it when Topanga entered. They understand each of these characters, and they understand how to balance them. Like everyone has their role that they play, and they're exactly not, they're not just extras. And balance is really the key there, because when Topanga's not there, you definitely feel that something is missing. You don't know what it is. It just feels off. I think when Topanga's not there, it's it's very one-sided. Yeah, I would just say it's one-sided. Yeah, I was just going to say that. It's a little heavy on the boys' side of it, and maybe that is a little too... Maybe that's where we can lean into the heart a little bit. Like it's not afraid to be a little bit sensitive because I mean, like it's been it's been emotional before, but this episode and then the one with Topanga, it really does, as you said, have heart to it, which I think is allowed with the female character. I don't know. Sure. Maybe I don't know. I wish they would. I wish they would use that more, and I guess just maybe give more of a female perspective. Because really, when you think about what this show has been up until this point, outside of the Topanga episode, it's only been male centric problems. I mean, you are not wrong. Thinking about it, we have Morgan and Amy as our constant female. They are characters. side characters at best. Yeah, we don't. We didn't even know what Amy did up until like two or three episodes ago. Uh, yeah, I think all of the conflict is male based, and and. It's not only just um, the balance isn't just off. It's just it feels like, like you said, the, the there's not. If they had more heart in these episodes where females weren't there, then maybe I could kind of excuse that. But yeah, I'm I not saying that Topanga brings it. I'm just saying that when she's there, it indicates to me that we're in a place where they found their stride. There's balance in the force. Exactly. <laughs> okay, so get it into this. Feeney, we're in the classroom in our opening scene, and Feeney says this week we're going to be talking about prejudice. Right off the bat. And I was like, hell yeah, let's get into some good shit this episode. Yeah, we are swinging for the fences with this. I was like, we kind of hinted at income inequality, and now he says they're going to be talking about slavery in the American South. Which I kind of wish we heard a little more about, not going to lie. Yes, and Jews in Nazi Germany, and Which is all we heard about? Yeah. <laughs> but I think, you know, I will say I can't I can't speak to your uh, elementary school education because you and I met in high school. Um, and I know that education, like, uh, but... was awful. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but I will say that I am well-versed in 
Nazi Germany. Like that is something that I will say almost every school curriculum touched on and made sure that they fleshed out. But All right. I don't mean to get too Kaepernick about this, but <laughs> the reason why you hear nothing but, you know, Nazi Germany and everything is because that's our first place trophy, man. That's the thing that we're so proud of. We defeated the Nazis, like good defeated evil. Like that's such a Trump card to have. Slavery's like, yeah, I had this illegitimate kid and like <laughs> I don't like talking about it. Like it's a completely different thing. So that's why you hear so much of I don't know. I, again, no, no, no. I, I first of all, I want to applaud whoever wrote in. It's just one line of dialogue. They, and we go directly into Nazi Germany, and then we go directly into the book and different examples of prejudice. But, sure. They didn't even have to include it at all. The fact that they did shows that it was something that the kids needed to be taught as well. Well, yeah. It's also it acknowledged that uh, whoever wrote this episode was aware of our own history with prejudice and how yeah. america is not squeaky clean we very rarely get i mean i feel like there are a few shows that have special episodes that deal with prejudice and racism and all this other stuff but very few shows be like hey by the way what happened in nazi germany very similar to what we just left. sure sure yeah it's and, nice to see the people making that correlation. You're right. That, that exactly. Is nice. So that was just something that I was like, yeah, bravo. Thank you. Um, yeah. But to to illustrate this point, uh, Feeney hands them all a book. And we don't know what the book is just yet. Um, but uh, he tells them that they have to read the first 30 pages and he wants to talk about it. And that uh, Corey's like, oh, it's a book written by some girl. And he kind of. And as soon as he says that, you're just like. Oh, this yeah. episode <laughs> yeah. is going to make me tear up at the end. I can feel it. Exactly. Um, but um, class is dismissed and Feeney calls Corey out for his behavior in class. And Corey made a joke earlier when he talked about prejudice. And Feeney just was like, look, you're making my job harder, which I kind of, you know, again, I respect. Can I, can I just say something? The joke Corey makes about prejudice is not a prejudice joke. He was like, I'm prejudiced against the bad food in the cafeteria. It was a very innocent joke to make. I just want to make well, that clear to people. Well, it listen. is innocent, but it also kind of leans into how white people don't understand yeah. what prejudice really means. <laughs> I mean, that's very accurate, but are we are that, we doing that right now? Yeah, I'm I mean, like, what are we all I'm saying into? is that the way that Corey uses the word prejudice and his understanding of prejudice and the fact that he makes light of prejudice all ties into the fact that not him, most of America has a problem with understanding the difference between prejudice and dislike or, you know. Sure. And I think, too, that the joke is necessary so that we understand where Corey's understanding of prejudice is coming from at the beginning of the episode so we can see that full arc that happens throughout, throughout the rest of it. Correct. Um, and then on this, Corey says, which I really I really liked, Corey says that he thought Feeney liked it when uh, he interrupted in class because, you know, Feeney has the same job and it's kind of boring and Corey makes it interesting. He, you know, spices up and... Sixth grade teaching sixth grade is repetitive and boring, and Corey's bringing something new 
Um, and then Feeney's like, well, I thought you had the easy job because you just got to sit there and listen. <laughs> I love this. Corey says that he does this 35 hours a week and gets only $5 a week for, for attending class. I was like, dude, your parents are paying you to go to school. Is that just money he gets for lunch or something? No, I think that's what he, I think it's like an allowance. I think he's pointed out that, you know, there are uh, people out there who pay their kids money for going to class every day. (laughs) (laughs) Let me in on that. (laughs) Exactly. That's what I was like. You get paid for this. Uh, And he, he makes a joke that Feeney probably makes that an hour. And again, it's a a thing where it's like $5 an hour is Feeney's like, yeah, that's probably what I make. (laughs) Probably about right. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, But it, it, it just echoes Corey's childlike understanding of money. All right, so... Which I thought he learned already in a previous episode. He never learned the value of money. He learned the value of work. Yeah, okay. Okay, I yeah, buy that. Yeah, yeah. The completely different things. As someone who has been working a long time, <laughs> I can tell you, work and money do not go hand in hand always. That, that is 100% accurate. <laughs> um, all right. So, but then we get a little trading places action. Uh, Which I love. You, you asked me, have you seen Trading Places? <laughs> Are you kidding me? <laughs> Trading Are you Places kidding me? is phenomenal. Looking good, Billy Ray. Billy the Lewis. Yeah, you know, yes. All right. So anyway, anyone who hasn't seen the movie Trading Places, go out, rent it. It is phenomenal. Yeah, and it's almost Christmas, and it's kind of a Christmassy movie. It is kind of a Christmas movie, and it's the first movie that Jamie Lee Curtis is in, where she shows a breast. You know that from Scream. Yep, because she didn't show her tits so she went so she legit. Gets legit. <laughs> All right. Uh, but then, Corey, yeah, Corey proposes that, uh, sorry, Feeney proposes that Corey teach one of his classes for the week. Um, I, all right, let's. The premise of this whole episode is this bet that's established that yeah. Feeney lets Corey teach one of his classes. Correct. Feeney is choosing to let Corey teach yep. the week. That they're discussing probably some of the most important subject matter of the year. He's like, you know what? Screw the rest of these kids in this class. I'm going to let an 11-year-old handle this highly sensitive material and he be responsible for what they learn at the end of the week. Is that fair? Is that fair to the other kids? I don't know if it's fair to the other kids, specifically Minkus, which we will talk about a little bit later. But I will say that it's an interesting proposal because something that... Feeney kind of points out later is would they have really gotten the lesson uh, or would it have resonated as much had this experiment not taken place? I mean, Corey learns a very valuable lesson. Like as far as just George being a teacher, and maybe this is fun for George. Maybe it's like, you know what? There is some monotony in teaching the same thing all the time. Maybe I can change this up for me as well and kind of make it fun, you know, a, yeah. a fun teaching exercise. Yeah. So yeah, when they I, start pr- talking about the trade, as an audience member, you're very interested. Like there, you can, it's fun. There's yeah, a, there's a the spark of excitement because we get scene. a little bit of the stakes. It's just that uh, he, Feeney says that if more students pass the test at the end of the week uh, after Corey teaches his lesson, then Corey wins. But if more students fail, then Feeney wins. Um, and again, I kind of like George's approach to this because you can kind of see that he's thought through this 
a little bit. Um, this is where Feeney, again, just becomes that like wise Morgan Freeman type of character yep. that just kind of has this third eye. Like he kind of can predict that Corey will learn better this way. Yeah, but he also one thing I kind of like, and we haven't really gone there, but with his, um, with the wage, the way he words it, he also kind of understands that Corey is not fully understanding the task at hand. Oh, not at all. Because <laughs> he even says like, hey, let's make this bet interesting. And I'm like, George, you're trying to screw over this kid. Why? <laughs> well, also, he says, let's make this joke interesting. And I was like, before this, while it was just them switching, it was pretty innocent. But is it betting illegal? So I'm sure that like putting an actual wager... Is, I got to be honest. I don't. I never felt at all that George was going to follow through with taking Corey's bike. I, it felt like it was just kind of a learning thing. It, I yeah. never thought it was serious. Yeah, exactly. What's um, he going to do with a bike? Well, we will we get to that because Alan has the same question. But anyway, so that leads us to our new scene um, because as of right now, we don't really, really even know um, what it is. Corey, Feeney just says let's make it interesting. And then our next scene, Eric comes home with a new girlfriend. By the way, I immediately like Eric so much better off off the bat. Like from last episode, even now, like he doesn't have a huge storyline, but I feel like he's just a more likable character in this episode. Um, and maybe just the relationship with the girlfriend helps with that, but it's it's a really good for him. All right, so let's talk about this girlfriend. Eric comes in with the girlfriend, and oh wait, so immediately she comes in. Eric comes in with a new girlfriend, and I was like, oh, this is a nice little... Uh, I kind of was like, this is like the age, Asian actress. Um, I don't know. She seems to have been in a lot of stuff in the 90s as well. I... Yeah, she did look very familiar. I think she did do like... <coughs> sorry. I think she was on like maybe 90210 or something. I, I'll have to look that up. Yeah. But I don't want to sound offensive. I didn't know she... I didn't immediately read her as Asian. Like when I well, first see, saw her. When I did, I was like, she kind of looks Asian. I, I, but it was like, like uh, that's the thing, kind of. I was like, kind of. Yeah, like, but see, I'm glad that they had to like establish it throughout the episode because otherwise, I would not have picked up on it just. See, and I'm like, for me, it's kind of problematic because you're right. She is not obviously asian not to the point where you would get a slur thrown at you Jesus. no and then uh, tc you and i spoiler jar but uh, but we we do get this thing where it's like a, she's she comes in and all that really matters is she's not heather she's not heather she's not jessica this is a new person uh, yeah there, that is true like we're, we're kind of expected to immediately invest into someone who feels like the only reason that they were brought in was to kind of like assist the story and that's where my problem comes in my problem comes in with why this woman was cast because she is only she was only there used, to teach a lesson about racism she is yes only used, if she's not there next episode and i honestly can't say i remember but if she's not there for next episode you know what i think she's i think she's i Think she sticks around. All I don't right, think so she's a one episode. So I, I, I'll just, I'll squash that right now. And you can, if she doesn't reappear, you can get angry again later. But I do think that we see Glenda again. It was like if she's here only to serve purpose of this storyline, I am pissed. <laughs> and I wonder if the reason why they invited her back was to not do that, or if it was just <laughs> I intended for thing. her to kind of stick around. <laughs> that's I, kind I mean, of, yeah. I mean, yeah. here's like that's that shows you. 
how we yeah. look now. As, as a think. person of color, you you ask those questions. <laughs> yeah. It's just, but no, it's a real question. Immediately, I was like, uh, are you telling me we only got an Asian girlfriend for the mere fact that she can parallel the storyline? Because if I, so... Yeah. And I'm, it seems that way, but I don't think that ends up being the case. And also, Asian is a very very specific choice we just talked about that it's a safe choice it is a very safe choice and i i don't i didn't i don't mean to say that too because i know asians you know experience their own kind of you know prejudice and racism in america and uh, obviously i can't say like oh wow the show should have really went for it and had like you know oh i don't i don't no 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 all right so first of all I, I that's exactly what my thought was my thought process was this I was like, A, if we want to believe, this is early 90s, we just talked about the LA riots have happened, uh, Ronnie King has happened, this episode was sparked in part by the racial tension that's uh, in America at this point in time. That's what we're choosing to believe, just like it's in the air. Then we go from the fact that we are reading a book um, dealing with Nazi Germany, which is a very big part of it. And to have an Asian girlfriend, I think we are covering all bases here. We are literally doing everything we can to kind of show a spectrum of prejudice. And I kind of appreciate that. And I do. I do appreciate that. But at the exact same time, we have... They should have went for it. Yeah. We have an actress that is not all the way... Asian, or at least she doesn't appear that way. Honestly, she really doesn't. And and again, not to be offensive towards her at all, but like just looking at her, I was just like, oh, is she Asian though? Yeah, they they went safe all the way. They part of that is the fact that she's dressed like a forty year old mom. <laughs> well, this is the nineties. I literally watched saw a meme the meme the other day that uh, showed a picture of high school students in the 90s and they were like why do all 90s teenagers look like 40 year old dads she's dressed ridiculous her <laughs> jeans go up to her nipples and she's wearing a vest that looks like she's like an art substitute teacher uh but yeah on this i was just like let's not deny if we were going to do this especially if we were going to do this and have it be a story arc i.e the character will return why couldn't she have been black Let's just ask the question or Hispanic or something where it's a little let's let's add some color to this world. That's all not that's not as comfortable. I feel like white and Asian doesn't, doesn't really raise that many eyes. I, I don't know. Eyebrows. I, <laughs> well, apparently we get some eyes raised, but that's for uh, a, a later. Again, I can't speak on the personal experiences of others. So I, I, I will just say if this was like family matters and eddie had like a korean girlfriend like that's an episode i watched oh my god i definitely want to see that dynamic that's definitely yeah like that 1992 explore. episode yeah let's do it like let's really make it happen but this i was just like that's oh, safe yeah it was a safe choice all i'm saying safe actress safe all around um but anyway so eric brings home a new girlfriend and morgan immediately calls it out she's just like hi new girlfriend <laughs> so we are yeah, we haven't heard from Heather in a while. So I feel like Heather hasn't been in the picture because, I mean, Eric was just making out with Felicity in the last yeah. episode. Eric's, Heather's done. Bye-bye, Heather. I mean, and again, these are high school relationships, so I don't expect anyone to always be around. Yeah, and honestly, with the exception of Heather and Linda, I don't remember Eric having a, a girlfriend that sticks around for more than one episode for the rest of the season. That's a very good point, um, and, and we shall see. But on this, Linda, uh, the new girlfriend... 
gets along with Morgan almost immediately. There's a cute little dynamic. And this is this goes back to what I was saying about them figuring out how to pair everyone up. Morgan being Eric's adversary is so good the way she works with this. It's great sure. comedic timing and it makes sense. Because the whole thing that works is that Morgan has so much power in their dynamic. Yes. And I think that's what makes it work is that Eric is trying so hard just to look cool in front of these girls. And then in comes Morgan. And at any moment, she can say something that will potentially ruin it. Not that it actually would, but in his mind, it's like, Morgan, please just be cool. Yeah. And so actually, that dynamic and Morgan knows it. And she's like, yeah, I have this power and I'm going <laughs> to make you take me to the carnival. And I'm going to make you take me to go get ice cream because I know I have this power and I'm using it. And I actually think that that's great. I didn't think about it that way, but you're right. Morgan has the upper hand in the relationship, which is what makes it so much fun to watch. Great. Yeah. <laughs> but then um, Alan and Corey come back and they've been racing. We get the introduction of Corey's new bike. And this is where Corey tells the family about the bet. And we learn that Corey put up his bike, his new bike, as uh, collateral. So it's like if Corey wins the bet, he gets one fifth of Speeny's salary, which again is why I was like, this is where the money prospect and like it's actually being betting comes in. Okay, so your mind went to the money aspect. My mind went to lo- the logistics of this one fifth and why it was chosen. It was because Corey yeah. says that I am going to get one fifth because I'm teaching one of. Feeney's five classes, uh, social, stu- social studies classes. No, well, so that's the what... thing. Is this is this a a, a, cl- a school where Feeney teaches one subject? Because now it seems that that's the case, but it wasn't the case in previous episodes. And this is where I was going to say with you: we have one of two options. Feeney, when he said one of my classes, he meant like because remember one of my subjects yeah one of my subjects that's what i was gonna say he meant one of my subjects i teach five subjects throughout the day and i will let you take over this particular section of that subject however there is a lot that can be argued with that just yeah it doesn't it just doesn't add up they make it seem as if they trade classes and feeney's just teaching social studies all day and for this one class Corey's the one that's doing it because even gosh i I don't want to jump ahead but there's just there's moments where you you know george shows up to the class dressed a certain way and you're like well clearly he's not teaching math after this so exactly exactly and that's what i'm saying it's like a this is very complicated they put that dialogue in there but they don't really follow through on it because it just doesn't make sense when you think about the rest of the school day. And if he was like, oh, Feeney said he'll give me a percent of his check because, you know, I'm teaching, you know, a percent of the week, like maybe that would. But the whole fraction just kind of made me think too much about it. (laughs) I mean, clearly that's what we're here for, thinking too much about these things. Uh, So anyway, but Alan has uh, quite a little bit of feeling about Corey putting up the bike. Because <laughs> Alan apparently just bought Corey this bike. We've also established in previous episodes, Alan don't got a lot of money. Exactly. And he's definitely not trying to spend it on stuff for Corey. He made him work for a water gun. So if he bought you a bike and you put this up for sale, what are you doing, bro? Exactly. This is exactly. I just brought you. I just got you this. And this is what you do? <laughs> Come on, man. Yeah, I love it. But I, to this, because Alan's like, why does Feeney want my bike? Like, according to Alan, which is very... 
TV dad. Alan's like, no, Feeney is trying to get this bike for me. What Which is- again brings up the question, why does Alan have this like secret weirdness with Feeney? He does. And you, you brought this up. And I would love to see where this goes throughout. But now that you mentioned it, it's in my head. But kind of, kind of like the way that neighbors like on um, you know will be like oh I want to have the best Christmas lights this year like that kind of comp like, that like little a- kind of animosity weaseling. yeah that's that's not really malicious at all it's just like you know his hedges are over my you know my my gate that kind of he's stuff. trying to outdo me or like he has neighbor yeah shit. It, it, that's really what it is but that would also explain why Corey feels that way about Feeny because he's just mimicking his dad and everything <laughs> yeah really monkey see monkey do <laughs> all right but. Amy points out that this is obviously just one of those Feeny lessons. So I liked it because at least in this episode, we acknowledge that this is a pattern with Feeny. I mean, and it would definitely become one of his signature moves. But yeah. at this point in time, we haven't really seen Feeny do this. And that and that's what my note was exactly, is that they they're trying to establish a pattern of like really sophisticated teaching styles, but like we saw from the episode where Corey was in the that <laughs> stupid geography thing. Yeah. Um Killer B or whatever it yeah. was. Um that Feeney didn't teach him that way at all. And in fact, he kind of just let Corey teach himself. All right. Well, something that we can consider is they've been living here for quite a while and they do have an older son. So maybe he's kind of done something like this before with Eric. And yeah, it's I, it's it's not a bad decision. I just feel like it's kind of a lazy way to give us some exposition about this. Instead of just showing us over time that Feeney does this, they were just like, from the get go, let's just let the audience know Feeney has his own special way of teaching. Yeah. All right. Um, and then we get the fun little bit about Alan being like, what if the lesson is he wants my bike? <laughs> I told you, man, there's mad beef between them. Well, that, and then also Alan is just, he, he does not have money to waste. Alan wants to make sure that whatever he spends money sure. on, yeah all right so then we go and um we go to class and Corey announces to the class that he's in charge he kind of he kind of makes sure that all the rules are going to be uh in place for what him and feeney agreed upon that he has and the class reacts appropriately they're all like what mr feeney this Mm -hmm. kid's teaching keep in mind feeney's been giving out their test scores out loud yeah. <laughs> they know where this kid's at. Yeah, exactly. And Minkus is clearly not about this life. Minkus is like, no. Uh, what's he talking about? Even, you know, what's so funny is that Minkus is the one who clearly is like, hey, Mr. Feeney, this is a terrible idea. Yeah. But still, he has so much respect for Mr. Feeney throughout this entire episode that he that just goes with it. I kind of wanted to see a moment, and maybe we will, that. Where Feeney has a moment with Minkus the way he does with Corey, because it seems as though in this episode, Minkus loves Feeney. Yeah. Well, I think you put it correctly. Minkus respects Feeney. And even though he disagrees with it, he understands that if Mr. Feeney's like, he's in charge, Minkus is going to go along with it. Yeah, it was just it was interesting to see how Minkus reacted. To yeah, that. yeah, I like it. I like it. But then, all right. So what Corey does is first thing he does is the very first thing is he's like, "You will address me as hey dude." So he kind of gets rid of this authority. Uh, and which, formally. as a kid, only made me think of the Nickelodeon cowboy show. Hey, yeah, same here. I was just like, "Hey dude." Yeah, the Nickelodeon show. That's exactly what I thought of. 
Um, and then he eliminates the baseball cap rule, uh, which again, for Corey to be in charge, what he's started to do is remove all these restrictions that he feels uh, have no real meaning. Well, yeah, and also just kind of removing um, the things that he thought were just kind of like feniisms, just things that yeah. didn't really add up. Like, I don't understand why this is even a thing. It doesn't matter. If I'm having a bad hair day, I should be able to wear a hat. Yeah. My thing about this is that Corey, when he, he, as soon as he's like, hey, guys, that hat roll, it's gone. Everyone starts pulling out hats. Corey pulls out the red hat. From yep. His, uh, from the yep. episode from the yep. book bag, which I guess answers the question: the hat that Topanga wears at the end of that episode is not Corey's hat. I told you, it's just a Philly's hat. Everyone or has one. He took it back. <laughs> <laughs> well, no, because later on George has one too, and so I think again that those it's the Phillies. Everyone has these damn hats. Exactly. So. um but it's really funny because we get a little bit of play with the rules here because Corey eliminates the the baseball cap rule, but then Topanga asks the question: Should they do away with all dress code entirely? Um, which yeah. and then Corey has that fun joke. He's like, "You're not going to come naked, are you?" Exactly. But um, she's like, "No, she just wants to wear things that are more in line with the goddess and more in well, line with her like, character." I really want to be more cultural with my with my wardrobe. Exactly. And I was just like, "Bay." Yeah, exactly. You, you don't want to live under the restraint of all these like cisgendered white males telling you how to live your life. You wear whatever you want to wear, Starfish. Like, exactly. You, you. As long as she's covered up, um, she's fine, according to Corey. But uh, yeah. what I do like is we've established that what Corey did was essentially remove all the rules. And Topanga, she embraces it. And she's like, all right, if we're doing this, is it full anarchy? Like, what What are, like, do we have yeah. guidelines? I think Corey, what he doesn't realize is happening is that he's he's removing the feelings of, like, everything that makes school feel like school, he's, yeah. he's, he's taking that away. And so when the kids act like they're not in school, he's immediately surprised. Like, he doesn't yeah. understand. Well, he created he, the structure. Yeah, exactly. He's removing the structure that's there, not understanding what happens. And what I, what I liked about it is, as I said with Topanga's question, it immediately shows Corey that there are levels to chaos. So we get this thing where (laughs) Minkus is like, people, 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 are we ever going to actually do our social studies? Yo, Minkus is great. Yeah. But then we get the back where Sean is like, Minkus, Minkus, Minkus. Shut up. And again, what I like about this is we have that, we have every, all of our pieces right now. Corey and Sean. We have Corey and Sean. We have Sean and Minkus, Corey and Topanga, Minkus and Topanga. I don't know. Everyone's doing exactly what they're supposed to do. And it just feels like just like complete, like like a good salad. Yeah, you know? exactly. It is. And that's what I was saying. Everything complements each other. Everyone has a role and our chemistry is so there this episode. 100%. All right. So um, next scene we have, Eric brings home a Japanese lantern for Morgan from Linda. Which again, it's like a, so we are supposed to assume that Linda's Japanese from this one. I don't. I didn't like this at all. I, I gotta be completely it. honest. I, I did not care for this because to me, it's like, oh, so Japanese people only give people Japanese shit? <laughs> no. Like she was wearing Target in the earlier scene. Where's all this culture coming from? All of a sudden. Well, that's what I'm saying. It's like a 
this is where I had the problem with Linda in the beginning is that she is brought in and don't get me wrong. You are completely allowed to share your culture and all these other things. But I feel like them doing Asian and then not even explaining that Linda is Japanese, but just like she's Asian. So she gave an Asian gift. You're like, all right, but like. Is this actress Japanese? Where are we going with this? <laughs> Yo, here's a question for you. Yeah. If it were a black actress. I thought about this. <laughs> and she gave Morgan tribal African mask. I how would God. you feel? You're not wrong. I think they changed it because if someone had done that, I would have had to stop watching this episode. Or like if she gave like Morgan like a... Like a Some catfish? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Just something <laughs> ridiculous. You know, like... What, what, it, it, to me, I was just like, oh, this is the purpose of this person. And I, I did feel that you felt that this was all just being reduced to just being a tool. But um, I did feel that Morgan was genuinely receptive of the gift and she yeah. was excited for it. And it helped Morgan feel a connection to Linda. So when what happens to Linda later on in the episode, Morgan's like, oh, Linda, like I, I had this connection to you what's going on like help me understand what's going yeah, on with exactly you. and i will say that I, I we have established morgan and linda had a chemistry right off the bat and the fact that linda would give morgan a gift totally falls in sync and i think that all of these things tie together and it works yeah 100 percent but Corey comes home and he announces that he's the greatest teacher. Um, and Alan's like, oh, so it went well. And Corey's like, yeah, it was practically a class party by the end of it. Uh, and then he and Alan asks, has some real concerns. Well, I so mean, what he does he is he asks where Feeney was during all of this. And this is, again, where it comes back to it. Where it's fun dialogue, but if you think about it. And realistically, he's like, oh, he was playing poker with Sean. And I was just like, this, this is, this is illegal. It's just illegal. Yeah. <laughs> and like, as a, like, I, that's why I feel like we needed to kind of know Feeney's teaching patterns prior to this episode, because at this point, there's no reason for Alan not to go. I need to talk to George about this and have him squash this whole thing. Exactly. And you know what? That's a very good point because Amy has already established that they know Feeney can be unconventional, but Feeney is a great teacher, and the respect that Alan has for Feeney would explain why he didn't immediately just go down to the school and was like, cut it out. I don't know what's going on, but <laughs> you yeah. playing poker in class, and you trying to steal my son's bike. Yeah, I'm working like 24-7 to, to feed these three kids and you're playing poker, bro? <laughs> exactly. But um, yeah, I like it because Alan's like, all right, so when did you teach? And Corey's like, the book teaches, I told you. You just have to read the book and then pass the test. Corey didn't, at this point, has not read the book. Well, no, Alan says, did you read the book? He says, I skimmed it. It's about Jews and Nazis and prejudice a long time ago. And I really like this because Corey says a long time ago, this is history. And Alan's like, a long time ago? Like Which I loved. I love that Alan immediately recognized, like, and it's funny because he didn't think to, there was nothing about this that made Alan go, hey, Corey, just so you know, prejudice is still very much alive today. Yeah. He never took the time to say that. He just goes... Hey, I think your bike is in serious jeopardy. <laughs> I was like, really? Those are your priorities right now, Alan? Well, it's like, not. Yeah, there's a teaching moment here. 
Alan kind of points out something about the bet, though. Corey explains that the bet is that based on the way Feeney grades, if more people pass and Corey wins, but if more people fail, then Corey loses. And Alan's like, but it's based on the way he grades. And Corey's like, yeah. And it's like, a does he grade on a curve? Which, again, it kind of shows that Corey didn't really think about these things too deeply uh, or, or realistically. Yeah, and I, and I guess at what point do you ask yourself, wow, like, it's not that Corey didn't think this through. He's 11. Like, Feeney should have really, like, uh, kind of made this more clear or maybe talked to the but parents I think about that's it, got kind them of, involved. I think that's kind that's of the better. lesson. I think all of this, again, if you want to go back into how they teach things, the lesson for Corey is to always... Corey is very quick to sign up for something and not think about the consequences and not think about another level to it. You know what I mean? Yeah. I, and again, I, I understand that Corey does his own thing. I mean, he's, he's 11. There's only so much you can put on this kid, but just to have Feeney just be like, Hey, Alan, Amy, just so you know, this is what's going on with Corey in school. Like to me, that shows a little bit more than just be like, Hey, like I'm going to make your kid the teacher of this week. And we have this bet where he can lose a bike and I hope he does well. But see, I see that you're, I think you're looking at it from Alan's perspective, which I would agree with. That's how it comes off. But I feel that Amy's acceptance of it is kind of, and, and also let's keep in mind that Amy and Alan, sorry, Amy and George probably see each other way more than Alan sees George. I know. I was just saying because Alan's the one in the scene who's asking these questions. So I can understand where Alan's coming from, yes. from his perspective and this yes. question asking um, of just thinking like, oh, man, like you didn't think through this. Like we should probably talk to George maybe. Like, <laughs> some details I and I out. feel like Amy was like, look, trust me, it's fine. Let it go. And it's one of those things where it's like, Alan may have his reservations, but he just has to trust in George and trust in Amy that they are all doing what they can to make sure that Corey comes out a better person at the end of this. Sure. Sure. All right. So after learning that revelation, though, uh, Corey's a little worried. He goes back into class and he's very, very much like a, hey, uh, so Sean, you got to help me get things back in control. And then this is when Sean's like, hey, you're the one who let it get out of control. Yeah, sure. Um, I think that Corey really kind of learns a lesson, a hard lesson about classroom management, which in general is probably one of the hardest parts of being a teacher anyway. Yeah. And to see immediately the difference between Corey's like second day of teaching versus how the class is with Feeney. We as an audience learn like, oh, no, Feeney is actually great at what he does. Oh, yeah. Well, not only that, but like I think for me, this is a great lesson. And Corey was just like everyone else. You know, he was a student. But now that he's in charge, not only is he in charge, but because he let it get this way, Sean's like, no, dude, you you made it get this bad and I'm not going to help you. I'm going to take full advantage of it. And I just thought that that was really, really a great insight because he can't rely on Sean to kind of help him out. He can't. They're, he's no longer one of them. Yeah, yeah, that's true. One of the things I wanted to point out was um, Corey does a roll call. Yeah. Um, we hear Sean's last name for the first time. Is this the first time we hear his last name? I think so. I don't remember hearing it in any of the other episodes. That's an oh, interesting point. I did realize I, I noted the uh, 
attendance, but I noticed it only because it starts with Topanga Lawrence. I was like, oh, so we go straight to L. There's no other yeah. person in class. <laughs> but again, we we there's another one. We we hear Topanga's first and last name, so we're kind of we're we're being introduced to these characters in a way. Topanga. Well, actually, we found out about her because he said her. Mrs. Lawrence when Topanga was first introduced. Oh, was it okay? All right. Yeah, but all right. Um. To, we see Topanga and she's wearing a sari and she's brought her yoga ball mat yogurt ball <laughs> yogurt ball um, and even Minkus like Corey tries to get Minkus to help and he's like hey Minkus you're the smartest kid in class I need you to really help me and again Corey's doing this mostly because his bike's in trouble and everyone's like dude this is a bed of your own making he goes where's Feeny I mean George uh, and he points out that Mr. Feeney's not in the class at the time. And then immediately, Mr. Feeney comes in and he's wearing like a baseball. He looks like Corey did. In the early Damn, time. I loved this. I thought this was so funny. When Cor- Think about this. What we know of Corey is that he loves the Philadelphia Phillies more than anything. So <laughs> Corey's being a teacher. Here's George doing his impression of Corey showing up in nothing but Philly stuff. Yeah. Being like, yo, I was chilling with my homies. I'm like, yo, man, Feeney's kind of savage right now. Yeah. Like, he's, he's really dogging this kid hard. Well, what's he doesn't also- realize Corey doesn't realize how Feeney is making fun of him. Yeah, he doesn't. He doesn't really pick up on it. But what I was going to say is that. I feel like George was just waiting outside the classroom because I was like, why would Feeney not be in class already? But I think, again, as oh, a I teacher, he was changing into that outfit because he did not drive to school that way. Oh, of course he didn't drive to school that <laughs> yeah. way. But I'm just saying that for him to not be there in the classroom, I think he wanted to see if Corey would even notice he was gone. You know what I mean? Like, I mean, of course sure. he would. But like this is part of being a teacher. Not only do you have to teach everyone. And as you said, classroom management, you have to, you're also accountable for everyone. Oh, Feeney was accountable for everyone in that classroom, whether he was there or not, he could have lost his job if something happened. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. (laughs) So, uh, anyway, um, Corey understands that, yeah, things are just out of control. And this bet has kind of, it's kind of been bigger than him at this point in time. Um, the next scene we get is Corey is reading the book. He's actually reading it right now. And uh, which you can tell, which I actually, again, like this is kind of what's great about Boy Meets World. You have this kid who at the beginning of the episode, like, uh, when Feeney pulls Corey to class at the end of the class, he's like, Hey, um, uh, Corey, I want to talk to you. Corey's like, Oh, Mr. Feeney, if this is about the homework, don't worry. I'll read the book. I'll read the book. And that's where Feeney starts talking to him about the jokes that he's been making. But the reason why I bring that up is because Corey's like rolling his eyes like, sure, I'll do the homework. I'll do it. But you know that he has no intention of reading this book. So to find him just three days later, just on the couch reading the diary of Anne Frank, you're like, wow, man, this this kid is really making some leaps. Yeah. Um, So what happens is Corey's reading the book and his dad comes home and he kind of points out that he he lost control of it and he doesn't really know what to do. And Alan tells him that he should establish himself as an authority figure and separate himself from the rest of the class. Well, and Alan says, like, you know, you tried to be their friend. Yep. <laughs> exactly. You can't, you can't do that. You have to be a teacher. Exactly. Um, and which we get this fun little bit where he's like, well, do what Feeney does. What does Feeney do it? <laughs> This is, of course, like, I don't know. I never paid attention. So Yeah, exactly. But, you know, don't that was... pay attention to anything. Exactly. But then, after that, Eric enters with Linda, and she's crying. 
And um, we learn that a guy at the mall called her a bad name. And again, like again, and I think this is the bad name is one of the reasons why I'm like, a, well, we didn't want to explore that that whole thing, so that's why Linda's not black. <laughs> Although, like, how much respect would you have had for this show if you had heard like? A primetime 8:30 ABC Friday night N-word. Like I mean again, we're not we're not even getting into the N-word, but I think again, the whole point is they didn't even want to kind of skirt that and kind of be like uh well, what word could she possibly have been called? You know what I mean? If, if especially if she was black. So I think I they, question like if she was black, I would have been like Oh, I know what word she was called. Oh, yeah. But like yeah. because she was because she was Japanese, I had to think like, what are the Japanese slurs? I know, like it kind of made me do like a, a yeah a little inventory in my I brain. I know a few, but like again, it's mostly because as I've gotten older, I've become more aware at the subtle ways. Um, There's a racial slur database online that you can look up. If you like. <laughs> not that we encourage that at all. Do not do that. No, don't. <laughs> but um, Corey's kind of really surprised by this he's like wait this happened today in our mall and eric's yeah i will say eric's being very comforting and he's like he's not trying to deal with Corey right now but ultimately sure. um we we see that this affects Corey, and morgan comes in and she and amy are kind of uh inquisiting on what happened and yeah everyone's kind of comforting linda at this point in time and even what i kind of like it is they say that she was called a bad name at the mall and morgan's like well some guy called me a poo-poo head (laughs) yeah so like like before because morgan has that relationship with linda where linda got her that cool gift you know she's like hey linda what's wrong she she immediately is sad by linda's crying and she's trying to make linda feel better and she's trying to relate to linda and be like hey you know someone called me a bad name and you know she's there's a bond there that that Morgan has, which I really like because we haven't seen Morgan do anything but just kind of give those Michelle Tanner one-liners. So yeah. it's nice to see her actually have a moment where you're like, oh, she's acting. Yeah, exactly. Um, and, and I really do like this. Um, but from that scene, we go to the cla- back to the classroom. And man, I want to talk about this scene for like another hour, man. <laughs> well, Corey <laughs> comes in and he's in a suit and... Um, he he goes to Minkus and he's just like, hey, can I get your help with this? Because right now the class is just chaotic. And Minkus points out, he's like, you made fun of Feeney. And you said that he gets paid too much. And what I love about this is that for the first time in, I don't, what's it, Lee Norris is the actor who plays Minkus? Yes. Um, for the first time, we see this actor who was just kind of like an annoying know-it-all kind of had this really human moment where he was like, Corey, why should I help you? You insulted Mr. Feeney. And it's it, it's it's heartfelt in a way the way yeah. he says it. I, I think you pointed it out, and I see it way more in this moment, how much respect Minkus has for Feeney. Yeah, which, I mean, he is his best student you know he takes his classwork seriously he does above and beyond the schoolwork like feeney's his dude like i almost think that feeney kind of should be closer to minkus than he ends up being because it it seems as though 
Minkus cherishes Feeney's, you know, teaching styles and everything about him. Ah, uh, God, Minkus, if only I could tell you right now, it's the ones that you admire that ignore you the most. <laughs> uh, ain't that the truth? So Corey kind of feels like he's on his own with this, and he says to the class, I want to talk to you about prejudice, and I didn't know uh, it still happened because, remember, according to Corey, this is all ancient history. He goes, until yeah, last past. night when I saw a really cool Asian girl crying because some guy called her a bad name i want to talk about this because yeah and maybe our it seems like our experiences differ but to be 11 years old and just be like oh just last night i realized that this is a problem i was like wow this could i i thought at the time i was like oh yeah only a, a, a suburban white kid would have that perspective but you're saying that you didn't know about any of it either. i honestly like i'm not gonna say that i didn't as a young child i did my immediate thought wasn't oh it's because i'm black that this happened sure i, I guess thinking about it now the reason why i feel like i had at least a basic understanding of things by the time I was Corey's age was because, you know, we grew up in the 90s and we consumed a lot of black leading content where there, you know, you had UPN and you had WB and you had Fox. And so you got the perspective of all these people of color or I mean, really black people. Yeah. Um, it wasn't super diverse. Still, still. No, yeah. It was, we were pretty much. We were pretty much black and white. <laughs> yeah, um, but it was nice to just get that narrative. So I grew up watching movies like you know Boys in the Hood and Men of Society and Higher Learning, and you know I by the time I was Corey's age, I had Chris Rock's Bring the Pain special memorized. But see, <laughs> so like, yeah, and it, I, I think that the art that I was exposed to kind of informed me in ways that my parents and my teachers didn't. And I think that's why I suffered because I was raised in a bubble. I watched Veggie Tales, and I was, you know, like a, oh, I wasn't, okay, yeah, I get you. I, I wasn't you, allowed to watch any of these things. Now, don't get me wrong. When I did watch them, they colored in a lot of those blanks. But as a child, I wasn't allowed to, and I didn't. And I so, had a, so maybe I'm being harsh, really, on Corey for like not understanding this at 11. Because you're saying even as a person of color, you didn't really understand. I think it's a, a one thing I've learned. This episode is a great, great episode. I think to go across America throughout. But I think that it's about exposure, and it's about what you are, what your family interacts with and deals with. That's uh, for for an example. Corey is reading the book, but he still is distant from it. It is when Eric brings in a someone to his home. Sure, someone that, who wouldn't he normally wouldn't have an interaction with. Exactly. That Corey really understands it. That this isn't just a name in the book. This was a human. Exactly. This was a human who was only a few years older than he was. Exactly. Um, and I think the pairing her with Eric, and she's just like any of Eric's other's girlfriends. The only difference is she's a minority and she gets treated different. Corey's never seen any of Eric's other girlfriends come home and have this experience, but he's seen it with Linda and that's brand new for him. And I really, really applaud this because 
it kind of shows how everyone else deals with these things. As we talked about, I am a person of color. I grew up in the South and I still didn't really understand it until I got a little bit more of a hands-on experience with it. Yo, look at this conversation that Boy Meets World is having this happen. <laughs> look, this is why we started this podcast, was for episodes like this that make us talk about like real-world stuff and our perspective from the 90s to now and how it relates to us and our perspective of people of color. Like This episode is why we do this. Corey says that he wants to talk about prejudice, and he didn't know that it could still happen um, until he saw a really cool Asian girl from last get called a bad name by some guy and then this is when he's gotten Feeney's attention. I will say that while he's Corey starting this to say this, um the rest of the class is not paying attention to it. Yeah. They are they're continuing to just have their party and Corey just has this moment where he's like, "Okay, I'm just going to give my lesson the way I planned on giving it today." And he doesn't really say it, but it's just this attitude of whether you pay attention or not, I'm just going to say what I have to say. Exactly. And then he, he says something really profound where he's like, "When you treat people badly because of their skin color religion or where they come from really smart and cool people suffer again and this is where we echo back on the fact that they don't keep the lesson to just about race which i really like this is about race religion and even like where someone's from yo when i when he 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 read that I, i when he said that i rewinded it so I can hear him say it again, and I filmed it. <laughs> I was just like, yo, why does 11-year-old Corey understand something that our country in 2017 doesn't understand? That's why we're like, yeah, everyone should be watching Boy Meets World again. Because it has life lessons that you're he just... because of your skin color, religion, or where they come from, smart and really cool people suffer. Yo, that's stay exact- woke. <laughs> that's the exact climate that we're in right now. It is... It is uh god so again this is this could not be more timely but off after that Corey kind of realizes that the class still isn't paying attention the only one who's paying attention is feeney um and i will say sean's kind of like not paying attention himself and he he's still playing poker with feeney and he tries to get feeney's attention but feeney's like you know what deal me out i'm uh i'm gonna pay attention to the lesson and Corey says that he gives up um, and feeding. It's really interesting. And right at this moment, I Corey's walking towards the door and he turns around and he sees Feeney look at him. That's where the show like, man, that's where it happens is in that look, because in that look, Corey learns that Feeney teaches unconventionally and therefore for Corey to be successful he too has to teach unconventionally and all of that that understanding of hey you know what i now understand what it means to be a teacher now i understand what it means to be able to teach you know effectively all of that's realizing and going off in Corey's brain in that moment to the point where he's like you know what I have one more trick up my sleeve that I can try. You know what? I did not notice that, but I think that that is such a good observation. This is the moment where Corey realizes he has to be a little Feeny and go a little rogue with his lesson plan. Um, And so what he does is he asks Sean um, what his mother's maiden name. And Sean's like, Cordini. And then that's, Corey says, which is very interesting, he goes, oh, so that'll make you a WAP. Which again, What's interesting about this, we have to believe that Corey understood 
And yeah, now, because by that's the way, another interesting question that I literally just popped in my head as you were saying that was if Corey doesn't understand, like, well, no, because he he knew that like Linda got called a bad name, so he must know what bad names are, regardless of if he knows. Well, yeah. By the way, know. he said you said that you didn't know what this word was, but immediately everyone in the class does. Everyone, yeah, that's what also kind of tipped me off. To I was like, apparently everyone knows this word, like. And just so everyone knows, WAP WAP is without papers. uh, Yeah, it's a derogatory term for Italians that kind of came illegally to the U.S. Correct. Um, But again, like, that word doesn't stop a room cold. You know what word does stop a room cold? (laughs) Which that's what I'm saying. It's like they did it it very well um, because there's some kind of inherent understandings. And by the way, there is a black girl right beside... Corey at this moment so we could have went some other places with this but that means that Corey understood how to you know what i will i will say this if the show had gone that route with a black girl or like the slavery thing i feel like that topic would have been too much and too much of a distraction from the lesson that Corey needs to teach. Like we needed him to have like something that's easily digestible because I feel like to get into the whole black thing and the N word, like that would have just been so much for him who doesn't understand basic stuff about racism to go from zero to 60. I'm agreeing with you because as I said, there is, if we would have went the black route, I don't think this would have been as easily digestible for America. I think that this episode works because they toe the line with who they call out and you get you get the overall lesson in general. They're yeah, okay. covering everyone, but you question understand. for you. Yeah. Question for you. Yeah, I'm listening. I, gosh. I'll put a quarter in the jar. All right. But do you respect this show for the fact that they brought on an Asian actress to kind of fill this role in this episode for this specific story about prejudice and racism or whatever. But later on in the show, we cast a black actress and it's never even brought up. You know, they, don't they? I feel like they do hint at it's never brought up that Angela is black. It's not even a thing. Like she's black. It's like she makes little references like, oh, I need more black friends. Ha ha ha. Yeah. But it's never like a. Oh, we can't be together. Oh, I'm experiencing racism. It's never that. She's just a part of the cast. So something, and I'll have to add to this, something that's done, and one of the main complaints with Girl Meets World is the same thing. They have a Black character who kind of comes in and just shucks and jives a little bit when he's first brought in. But yeah, then, I saw him shuck and jive. Yeah. I, was, I was not a fan. <laughs> but then I will say that they do a thing where they, they flesh his character out and we, we get more to him. And he's, he kind of becomes a little bit of the heart of the show, but they they just don't handle it well. And I think as much as I love Michael Jacobs, I think that this is where he struggles. And... To be honest, all it involves is getting more black people or people of color in the room, in the writing room. Um, but, you know, we're asking yeah. way too much. <laughs> yeah. And, and and 
don't get me wrong. Like, I kind of appreciate what they, how they handled Angela on the show. Gosh, I know we're skipping way down the line, guys. I'm sorry. I appreciate how, what they did with that specific character. Um, so I guess I can give them some leeway on some of the things in this episode that I'm like, oh, maybe I would have done this differently. Maybe I would have done that differently. I understand that this show is coming from a good place. It has great intention and it really does have a message. It's trying to make simple. Yeah, exactly. Which is why I said that I think that even by calling Sean out, what he's done is, again, he's made it relatable. He's made it personal. He's made it to where everyone in the classroom now knows someone who was targeted uh, because of their heritage. It's really interesting. Sean gets upset and he's like... He's like, you can't you can't say that. And he turns to Feeney and he's like, Feeney, he can't say that to me. And Feeney's like, what are you going to do about it? And he's like, what are you going to do? You, you're the teacher. And he's like, I'm not the teacher. Corey is. Exactly. And that's when Corey kind of goes into his whole thing. And I, it. Well, Sean, Sean says, Sean says he's upset and he says, I'm going to knock his head off. And Corey's immediately like, what if you couldn't? What if you live that question? By the way, I was like. Boy, preach. Yeah, exactly. What right? if you couldn't? What, what if, if you were I powerless? could say anything to you? If I could kill you simply because of your last name? Like, if you lived in a country where this happened, what if you couldn't do anything about it? And I'm like, yo, Corey, great job at teaching this lesson to this person who would have never learned it otherwise, maybe. Exactly. Because immediately he, Corey announces, which I really like, he goes, a 15 year old girl is dead. Like and, that's an attention grabbing sentence. Yeah. Like you can't ignore. You can say like, "Oh, hey guys, read the chapter of this book." Blah blah blah. But to say like, "Hey, a child is dead." Exactly. And and this is where we go more and more on about the book, where Corey explains that it's Anne Frank, which you've kind of already listened to. But in the episode, this is the big reveal. It's like the book is yeah. Anne Frank, and again, it's like a you have to read this book, according to Corey. He's like, you have to read it. Not because of me, not because of the test, not even about the bet. He goes, you have to read it because when someone calls someone else a bad name, it's not good that just one person jumps up. We, we all, have, all to have to jump up. And yes. again, it's like a, this episode is why I'm watching because it, it's Bruh. just like, a, it's what I needed to hear. <laughs> Bruh. This, yeah, that that whole thing, I was just like, wow. I was like, bravo, boy meets world. And you know what's great about this, too? Um, not at any point do I feel like the character actors, um, the child actors, are handling this situation in a way that's insensitive. Like, Correct. they are honestly, everyone's coming through on this episode. Correct. No one feels like they're hamming it up. No one feels like they're kind of um, uh, just... Uh, I yeah, no, know, I agree. It. Like even yeah. when even um when Corey's giving his speech, they do a close up of Topanga, and she yeah, seems sen- like yeah, it's just like a she's listening, she's in tune with it, and it's this is a great scene. It's done very well. They, it's relatable. They do the close up of Topanga right after he says the thing about the fifteen year old girl dying. Yeah, and then they do that close up of Topanga, and it almost kind of like sits on her for just a second. Yeah, almost as a way to say like, "Hey, this this eleven year old girl is realizing that children are dying." You know what well, I mean? Like, could, it's she's realizing it could subject. be her. It's re- yeah, she- it could be her, and it. I think we all kind of know, like, as soon as he said Anne Frank, like, we all remember that moment when we were introduced to just, like, as children, like, the worst-case scenario of humans. The like, hard, we all yeah. know that, like, that when we had that 
chapter of the Holocaust in school. Like, we just got exposed to something that was so awful. And so as soon as he says the name, you're like, yo, yes. And as soon as he, you see the kids' faces, you're like, yeah, this is all... Yeah, I really like the quote that Corey pulls out. And he, he, again, and mind you, Corey pulled this out, which is very interesting. Which yeah, is, he um, kills this lesson. Yeah, in spite of everything, I still believe people are good at heart. Which, again, it's like a, I need this in my life now. This is such yeah. a, a, a big lesson. And, it's, and you know what? And I, I didn't really watch much of Girl Meets World, I admit. Um, but from the few episodes I did watch, it was this was the kind of feeling I was hoping to see on that show, and I never really experienced it. And again, maybe that it gets better. They but do it. It does. It does. Yeah, those first few episodes, I was like, I was searching for this kind of moment, that moment where I'm like, wow, this is what we need on TV these days. And um, I, I, yeah, hearing this and watching it now, I was like, man, like let's show this. Where is this on TV? Like this needs to be seen. Yeah, and this does need to be. I don't know. Again, they can because we're not of that demographic anymore but i don't know of shows this for this age group that does that um so i mean if, if you have shows or if you have other episodes out there and you know of uh please uh tell us about them so uh, yeah we can just watch them and, and see how they compare but anyway so to kind of wrap up the episode uh we get our final scene where the results are in and Turns out the same amount of people passed, and um, but but to to be fair, the bet's over, and Sean did Sean did better than expected. Yeah, it's 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 interesting the way they kind of play it because they're like, oh, it's a draw, no one won, but really Corey did win. He yeah. won by learning a lesson himself. He won by being able to connect someone in his classroom that wouldn't have been able to learn this lesson otherwise um he really is the victor of this bet and more so feeny is because Corey's learned all this yeah well that's the thing it's like a it's a draw because they they both benefited from it and it doesn't seem like anyone failed he Corey was able to get the classroom's attention and yeah. i think that was the ultimate goal of this whole trading places story. and really it, the the i feel like the initial goal for george was just for Corey to be able to appreciate what he does more so he's not always an interruption, just being like, hey, you can see how difficult it is to teach when there's interruptions all the time. But I think Feeney didn't expect for Corey to understand the material as thoroughly as he ended up. Exactly. I, I agree. I agree. Um, so and then we get a little bit where um, – Oh, I do want to say one thing um, before we move on from this scene. Um, you know, we have this whole story where, you know, Feeney was able to teach Corey this incredible lesson by using these unorthodox methods. And it really made a difference to Corey. And at the very last line of the, the episode, before we head to the credits, um, you hear George go, you know, um, in time, you learn to live with the lack of respect and pay. That's the last thing we hear of this episode is them saying, yeah, teachers are really underpaid. You see the work that this guy was able to do for this kid. And we want to make sure the last thing you think about before this episode ends is the fact that this guy was doing this for $40,000 a year. Yeah, exactly. I mean, like, and I, I, again, it's that heart of education being at the center of the show that makes it stand out and makes it so um, just, I don't know, just something that we can all root and cheer for. I agree. I think 
for me, and I do I don't know about everyone else, but Boy Meets World and Mr. Feeney specifically, Mr. Feeney and Miss Frizzle, all these fictional teachers who really resonated with uh, our generation um, are individuals who've always made us be like, no, a really good teacher should be rewarded and they should be rewarded in a way that's not just like uh, a certificate or, you know, it's just sure. They they deserve really good pay and and to be a teacher and what we've just learned over the last few years like to be a teacher and to work with kids and all these things is challenging work and we knew this back in ninety three and yet for some reason we we've yet to yeah we we entrust these people to take care of the future of our country (laughs) these children but we don't pay them very well and we make their living situations awful and their working all situations awful. exactly well i mean since everyone wasn't getting paid they they stopped we stopped having feenies and yo look again look at the conversation boy meets world tgif 1993 is making us have in 2007 exactly it is killing the game i absolutely love it all right so we get a little epilogue scene and this is like mostly i it's, it's a cute little scene it's a cheer i didn't like it at all i thought it was silly yeah it's, it's a pointless. little cheesy but like basically it also echoes that what was once old is new again and things that you know the scene that we have is you have um eric and amy sitting on the couch and amy's like uh hey what's going on with linda eric's like oh she's a cheerleader now and amy's like oh i did a, I, I used to be a cheerleader and we used to have this cheer that was like I don't know how yeah. the cheer that she does. It's uh, yeah, it's something like that. It doesn't really matter. Some kind of raw, raw 1950s kind of thing. And Eric rolls his eyes. He's like, mom, cheerleading is so cutting edge. Now it's nothing like that. And comes Linda doing the exact same routine. Um, it's a silly bit. I kind of thought of it. It felt more like a cold open than the epilogue scene. Um, yeah, I don't know. That's the vibe I got from it. Exactly. But I, I, what I did like, too, is that we have Linda serving a purpose that's not the reason yeah that. not just racial <laughs> That's not just racial yeah yeah all right so that brings us to our uh, conclusion of the episode feeny taught me where we know the lesson who didn't learn like a thousand things in this episode exactly. i don't even know where to begin there's so many lessons from this episode uh tc you want to sum up a few yeah all right so we have the lesson that you know, Corey appreciates George's job better. We have the other lesson of George appreciating, again, that Corey took some initiative and he's a hard worker and he kind of did, was able to learn on his own. Um, you have this lesson of uh, Corey learning that prejudice is a real thing that's present in our society nowadays, that it affects people that he knows in the town that he lives in, the malls that he goes to. Um Yo, I again like there's just so much right now. Morgan learns like how to relate to to this issue that's way beyond her capacity. Eric learns sympathy. I don't know. Like Yeah, no, I like for me, I think the ultimate lesson of this episode is that um prejudice is not just in our history. And if we don't pay attention, it's very easy to overlook. Um, you know, yo. Yo, you get two snaps in and around the world for that. That, that, <laughs> that sums it up pretty well. Well, that is our episode. Thank you guys so much for joining. Uh, again, if you want to give us any comment or feedbacks, answer our questions, let us know what you learned from this episode. You can hit us up at Bro Meets World on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. 
yo, if you're if you're listening to this, if you're one of our listeners, can you tell us uh, a little bit? You did you know the word WAP? When did you <laughs> learn this word? I want to know when people learn this, or when people learned that prejudice was a thing. Like yeah, that's you know, something honestly, I would like yeah, to learn. That's a very good one. You and I had different experiences. Uh, give us your uh, first time I learned what prejudice was. Stories. Uh, yeah. So um, you can see more of me at Extra Siege on Twitter. That's X-T-R-A-C-E-E-J. TC? Well, uh, as you guys know, I'm busy retweeting Anna Kendrick at Anna Kendrick Retweets. Um, And uh, yeah, I do a bunch of fitness stuff on Instagram at A Braver Me. Um, Other than that, yeah, that's pretty much it. All right. Thank you guys so much. Um, We will see you next week. Remember to... Hey, Siege. Yeah. Can I ask you something? Yeah. Um, I forgot to dream, try, and do good. So (laughs) maybe we should just put a reminder out there for people. Yeah, remember. Remember to dream, try, and do good. Too good. Later, bros. Later, bros. Later.